Hey everyone, this is Sean from the Wasted Knowledge Podcast. Thank you for joining us for our first episode of Season 2, our live interview with Dr. Sarah Milkovich, the lead scientist for the Mars Rover 2020 uh, mission. Um, we're going to uh, do this in two parts, like we have been doing for the last uh, few episodes of the uh, first season. So please enjoy, sit back, relax, uh, and yeah, listen to, uh, listen to us do what we do live. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to Wasted Knowledge Live, our very first live show ever. Uh, my, yeah. Yay. My name is Sean. Uh, on the other side, of Dr. Sarah. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm Milkovich? Yes. Okay, that's TC. And this is our guest, Dr. Sarah Milkovich. Hello. And <laughs> yes. Love it. Uh, the, the way, uh, what, what our podcast is, is two bartenders interviewing subject matter experts. And we don't really have a, a set criteria for what they do. Really, it's just that they've been doing something for five years or more in a professional setting. And I don't care if that's sweeping floors or going to space. Um, it, it really is about why people do what they do and what their jobs are and what kind of brings them joy in that. And, I, and we, that comes from TC and I of bartending for t- together at least 25 years of experience and seeing those conversations happen and just really enjoying that kind of stuff that comes out of talking and drinking. So, thank you for coming today. Absolutely, I like to talk. Is this on? Tell you what, I'll, I'll give you this one. Okay. I like to talk and I like to drink. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Huzzah! Huzzah! Yes. So my name is Sarah Milkovich. I am a planetary scientist and a science systems engineer at NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory. And I should probably give a disclaimer that nothing I say on this podcast is an official position of NASA. (laughs) Our own opinions. And I I absolutely appreciate you being here because we've had other professionals that that come on our show and it's a podcast. Like, we won't won't take photos photos if they don't want. Like, hey, you can't use my real name. So everyone is just named Pat. (laughs) That That doesn't actually want to be... Uh, named and like this, I actually had like a friend that was an artist, and she's like, "I'm looking for a job. I just, just in case." I'm like, "All right, man, but whatever." We don't intend so, to incriminate anybody, but yeah, so we so never know where it goes. We don't, okay. we don't want anyone to get in trouble. But adults drink; it's yes, fine, absolutely. And even though it's called wasted knowledge, we only get like relatively somewhat tipsy. And so normally we record for roughly three hours, give or take, just okay. because we talk about professional stuff. We go down some weird dark holes. <laughs> Uh, metaphorically, gosh, guys, and then uh, <laughs> uh, and then uh, you know, the drinks just keep kind of coming. And it just turns into random chatter, and then it takes forever to edit. Uh, however, since we only really have an hour, give or take, today, um, we'll, we'll try to go a little bit quicker and sort of cover some some basic bases on life and work and, okay. and things that you like. But um, yeah, this yeah. is uh, this is yeah. new for, to, for us to try to do it in an hour. Okay. So, so first of all, cheers. 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 TC. Cheers. Sorry, I didn't want cheers you anyway. Mmm. Mmm. Uh, so How's we're. Your How's your martini? So we are drinking um, a gin martini. This is actually with few uh, Earl Grey infused breakfast gin. Ooh. Or sorry, English breakfast tea, breakfast gin. Um, sorry. <laughs> Sadly, I can't remember. And so it's got a little bit of uh, uh, blanc vermouth. I like just a splash, and then gin, and a little lemon twist to finish it. And, and it's very good. Ah, this is it's gonna be a good night, Tater. <laughs> so the way we start every episode, Sarah, 
uh, and you did introduce yourself, but what, what do you do? What is your job? Uh, right now, my job is I am the science operations team lead for the Mars 2020 rover, which is our next rover that's launching. It's launching next summer in 2020, hence the name. Uh, and it's going to Mars, so that kind of ties it all together. Uh, what's, what I do, um, so I said I was a planetary geologist, and that's what my training is as, and that's what my educational background is. I have sort of reinvented myself as a type of engineer, um, a systems engineer. So systems engineering is, understand, is, is looking at the interfaces between different systems. Those systems could be like you have a bunch of different electronic boxes that you need to fit together mm -hmm. and you need to understand how they're going to fit together. In my case, what it is, is how are the scientists and the engineers who are part of the operations team for a spacecraft going to come together to make decisions on what do we do with the spacecraft? So uh, scientists and engineers uh, have to work together, but they have very different perspectives, priorities, they kind of speak different languages, and my job is to sort of be a bridge builder between the two. Sure. Sure. I, hmm. Did that make sense? Yes. Okay, yes. good. You're, you're a... I'm a, starting out okay. You're a very smart people person. <laughs> yes. Very smart people. We'll see how I do after this drink. Uh, <laughs> there's more. There's more, yeah. <laughs> All right. There's a whole uh, box over there. There's a whole box of booze and an hour to drink it in. Um, um, All right. Yes. So, so that's 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 interesting. Now, did you get into that role from previous ones because people saw, saw that like, oh my God, you're you understand what everyone's doing and you can kind of cross communicate? Was that something that someone saw in you, or you kind of saw that you wanted to do? It was something I think that I. So I feel my my former group supervisor is in the audience over there, so <laughs> she might be actually better able to answer that. But um, it was something I was drawn to. I, okay, so I uh, finished my, my, my uh, degree. I always knew I wanted to get involved with the spacecraft side of things as opposed to just sitting in a room with my computer, looking at data, analyzing data, writing papers, and then going to conferences and arguing with people about it, which is like how most of science actually happens. It's a lot of doing stuff by yourself and then arguing with people. I wanted to, like, I, I, I did that for a while, and I was like, no, really, I want to be in the team. I want to be in the group of people who make the spacecraft do cool things. And, um, and, and so I transitioned over into that world and just really found I had kind of a knack for the communication side of things. And, and I think that's, and then at some point you're like, okay, you, you, you go from, I've, I've worked as doing operations for spacecraft and then being like, oh, well, it's really interesting, how do people come together to do this? So moving from the let's tell the spacecraft what to do and let's wrangle the scientists to actually, we like to say that if you have five scientists in a room, you have seven opinions on what we should do. <laughs> and, uh, and then the engineers all think we're crazy so uh, I enjoyed that kind of environment, trying to get everybody on the same page, but then I got really interested in how do we get everybody on the same page, and sort of, sort of that's what I went into, so that's what I'm doing now. Gotcha. Now, is that, hmm, is, is that, a, is that a, a place within JPL or within NASA that 
you would remain at, or is that someplace that you're like in a couple of years you have the option to move up or change roles or? Yeah, I think. Um, are you happy? <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different question. Previous <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. Trina, be quiet. Uh, <laughs> uh, so. Um, what I've, I've actually, I'm actually kind of unusual in that I have jumped from different spacecraft to different spacecraft. There's a lot of people who they do Mars rovers or they do outer planets stuff or they do orbiters and I have done a little bit of everything and it's partially because when I get into a job and if it's the same, if I'm doing the same thing every day, then I'm like, well, I've learned everything I can learn here. This is getting kind of boring. I got to do something else. Um, this particular job on 2020, it's the longest I've been working on an a individual spacecraft and we haven't even launched yet. So I would like to see this one through to landing, fingers crossed that we land, and then uh, through prime mission of operations. And then we'll see what's, what's going on and what do I want to do then. Um, because with the space industry, it's hard to look too far out. Like, I want to work on interesting problems, but I don't know what's going to, what missions are going to be in development three years from now. Um, I don't know. It's, we're, kind, we're at the whims of what does the government want us to do, uh, what missions have been proposed and proposed well and been selected. So I have a particular skill set, and each job has been different and I've enjoyed different aspects of it and it's sort of a, like well we'll see we'll see what comes kind of thing I've I've really hit if you were to say you know channeling my group supervisor again where do you see yourself in five years kind of thing I am doing right now like the where did I see myself in five years kind of job and I don't know what I want to do next I have no idea maybe I will knit and sell things on Etsy. I have yes. no idea. I, I was about to say the same thing, but that was... <laughs> <laughs> or take over the world as the audience I just make tiny muffins for yes, hamsters. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you when did you know that you wanted to do what you do? Or yeah. Or just follow the career in space? Or? So when I was little um... My, fam my parents and I, we watched a lot of science documentaries together. That was sort of a family activity. And I always loved the ones where it was like, here's the people behind the science, and they're working together as a team. And I especially loved, um, with the Voyager flybys, the ones where it was like, oh, here's the Voyager team, and they're in a room, and they're looking at pictures of places that are so far away. It takes light an hour to get here from there. And nobody's seen it before, but they're in the room. And I was like, that would be really awesome to be in that room. The other thing is that um, I grew up, my grandfather and my great-grandfather were both iron miners in northern Minnesota. So my dad grew up with this sort of hobby of geology because my, my grandpa and his friends would bring up interesting rocks from the mine. And, and also my dad had like, a little stand where he would sell rocks to tourists. And so growing up, we were always like aware of the rocks and the story, the idea that the rocks 
that you look at, they can tell you a story of what this place used to be. So I grew up in upstate New York, and we would go on road trips, and like we would go driving from New York to, to you know, places in New England. And we had these roadside geology guides, and so my mom would be reading from them and like telling us about what was going on around us, and, and so we would be like, okay, look at the rocks, okay. North America, North America, Africa, because that's where the plates used to be, and then it split apart again. So I just kind of grew up with this, not this like whole thing about uh, that the rocks were telling a story. And it was history, and it was a mystery at the same time because you had to un you had to interpret the rocks, and this and and because the rocks were old, and they'd eroded away, you didn't have the complete story. So it was like this puzzle and everything put together. And I loved stories. I still love stories. I love mysteries, and so geology to me was one of the ways in it, like it just sort of spoke on all those levels mm -hmm. to me. And I, so I, I just kind of grew up. We we always would bring back rocks from wherever <laughs> we went. And then I liked astronomy, and I loved Star Trek, and then planetary geology was a way of bringing astronomy and geology and Star Trek kind of all together. Nice. Right. Nice. <laughs> nice. Do you, do you still have any of those rocks when you were a kid? Yeah, I have. I do have uh, some of the rocks. I have. A, I have. Um, well, my, my parents really have one of the, some of the rocks from... I do have one rock from the mine that my grandfather, my great-grandfather, used to work in, the Tower Sudan Mine in Minnesota. And it's collected from, like, a 1,000 feet down, and it's this core, and I have that. And we also have this big chunk of, of uh, magnetite. It's a magnetic rock, you know, big magnetic heavy rock that uh, is from that mine. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. That was... I, so I, well, I moved everywhere as a child, uh -huh. uh, so I was an army brat, but uh, we spent some time in Colorado Springs, and that was, my mom would kind of do the same thing. We'd drive up to the mountains, and she would, like, pull over in our old Mercury yeah. station wagon and just, like, grab, and I, my mom, I'm bigger than her, but she was, no, we need this rock. Yes. Like, <laughs> it's going in the yard. Okay. Okay. Sure. But, like, but they, they were they were awesome because they were specked and, 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 and all sorts of colors, uh -huh. and, and so she started, I mean, I... What else do you do when your parents go take you on stuff? You start learning about it and go, yeah, I want to help. Yeah, Let I me learn. Help. Yeah. And, and so I got like those little boxes of rocks that were all like labeled. Yes. And and then I was in like the Young Paleontology Society. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was neat. That's I, very cool. Yeah. I knew every dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> now all the names every have changed because they were wrong. Now they have all, and they all have feathers now too. Right. Yeah, that was all weird. I went to like a dinosaur alive exhibit, and like they all have, half of them had feathers because they weren't done refeathering them. <laughs> That was actually really bizarre. Like half naked dinosaurs, and we're in the south, so some people were offended. Uh, but then, and then there's murder birds over there, <laughs> right? Yeah. Anyway, before we get too political, um, <laughs> it's just Dragon Count. I assume we're all on the same page. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Most likely. I don't mind. I have a cocktail. <laughs> uh, so. Was was there anything? So you said like you loved Star Trek and you loved storytelling, and uh, you kind of mentioned puzzles in there. Mm -hmm. Was there something else that you kind of might have considered as as part of your yeah potential like, avenues uh, for other careers? Yeah, yeah. Um, or well, future careers. Was, when I was little, I sort of had a sense of I wanted to get a PhD to prove that I could, and I just had to decide what it was going to be in. And for when you say little, how little? Like 
13, 12, 13. Okay. Um, Solid. It was just, it was kind of a like, I'll show all of you kind of thing. <laughs> um, and uh, I, so, so back then I really, I thought about, I thought about being a writer professionally, uh, probably like science fiction and murder mystery kind of stuff. Um, I thought about being a science writer, um, but the thing that I almost, I think, went into, and it was really around high school that I decided not to, was music. Uh, so I play trombone. <laughs> and uh, although uh, I don't do it very much anymore, I have a small child. I, I, there's certain hobbies that I have let fall by the wayside uh, to make room for being a parent. But um, yeah, so I, I almost, I, I thought very seriously about going and being a professional trombonist. And then I realized that what I wanted to, what I, the music I like is classical, not jazz. Every professional orchestra has three trombones. Like they have a huge violin section, but they have three trombones. And I didn't want to go be a band teacher somewhere. I wanted to do performance. And then I was like, no, I think I'll do science instead. So, you know, shockingly, I decided that music was too hard <laughs> and that I was going to go be a scientist instead. Because it's easy. Yeah. I mean, you could have joined a ska band, maybe? Eh. No, I right. like the notes to be written down for me, and I like um, the, 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 the time signature order? to be the actual time signature that you play. <laughs> and then I was like, so, so you write down what it's supposed to sound like, and then I will put the emotion into it. I don't need to, in, like that's the interpretation, is the emotion that I put into it. I don't need to make up notes for you. You write the music, that's your job. I play it, that's my job. That's how I view it. That's fair. Very scientific way to look at <laughs> yes, it. Right, yes, that's the science side's coming back out. <laughs> Like things must happen in their place. <laughs> <laughs> I really just want to move one of your pens now and just be like, <laughs> <laughs> no wait. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a live troll. That's not true. I'm just a bartender, and that's why I love my job. Is I can. So you worked on multiple people. Mars projects. Yeah. And now you're working on the 2020. Yeah, year. I've worked on. Okay, so when I first started doing doing spacecraft operations, I worked on uh, the Mars Phoenix lander, which was 2008, and it was sort of the Arctic tundra of Mars. And then I worked on Cassini, which was out at Saturn, uh, and my particular part of that was mostly wrangling the scientists who wanted to study the icy moons of Saturn. And then I went and worked on Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, which is an orbit around Mars, That's hence the name. Uh, uh, specifically for, there's, it's this camera that is called HiRISE, and it's like a super spy camera at Mars. It takes, it could, if you took this, this table and you made it into a square, it could detect that from 300 kilometers above the oh, surface. Wow. Um, and it's also got color, and it does stereo. And it's super awesome. I love this camera. Uh, um, so, uh, so I worked for them for a while, and then Curiosity was getting ready to land, and they were in this kind of frantic, like we have to finish training everybody and making sure that the that everything's working before we land, and we kind of need just 
people to come work and help, oh my God. And so I was one of the people, I was sort of one of the warm bodies that they threw at the problem. So I joined Curiosity about six months before they landed and stayed for about, until about six months after they landed. Um, and then I got uh, involved with the science definition team for the Mars 2020 rover. So that was they, uh, NASA pulled together a little committee of like, what should we do? We're gonna do our next, the next rover. We're gonna basically keep, we're gonna try and keep it as similar to Curiosity as possible. But uh, because the science community has spoken, they do these, these decadal surveys where every 10 years they write a, a, a big paper basically on here's the community's priorities for space exploration for NASA. And the two top priorities were study Europa and Mars sample return. And so they were like, okay, well, we have all this expertise from Curiosity. Let's try and see what we can do with Mars sample return. Scientists, what can you do with the Curiosity-style rover to do Mars sample return? So they assembled this group, and then they had me come in and be the documentarian, which meant that as the scientists were arguing and discussing, I basically tried to channel their brains and make sense into of it. yeah into PowerPoint and, and 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 words and write it down so that they could keep arguing and not have to worry about write thing, writing things down, but just get it on paper. So we wrote a whole report, and then they were like, "Actually, we would really like you to stick around. We don't know what job you're going to do, but we don't want you to go to another project." And I was like, "Okay, I'll hang out." And uh, and eventually, uh, so that was that was my the start of me working on Mars 2020. Cool. So that's where I've sort of, so I've got, I feel like for me on some level it's like spacecraft or Pokemon and I'm trying to collect them all. So I've got a lander, a rover, another rover, an orbiter, and a touring spacecraft, which was Cassini. So nice. I try and get like a whole wide variety. Fill up your Pokedex. Yeah, exactly. Nice. <laughs> I like that was, I got a rock. What else is left? Well, there's plenty mm. more. You haven't even come up with Well, then there's stuff. like oh. plant, there's like balloons and airplanes and there's also like trying to different planets I don't know <laughs> interesting so I, I'm, I'm still curious mostly about like if you s stopped because, cause <laughs> if you I could, didn't do this what well, would I well, do because you throw out like the Etsy knitting thing like are there other things that you do now like right now not, not that you would do it professionally anything right. like that but that that are kind of like your uh, your hobbies, your things that you use to decompress. Right. So I, I do, I do. De so well, I read a lot for mm -hmm. decompression. Um, I used to do beadwork, but that's really tricky with a small child because it was these really tiny seed beans and needles, and so I stopped doing that. Uh, and then a coworker taught me how to knit. And that's something that you can put down and like chase after your toddler and be like, no, don't lick the power outlet. Yeah. So I got really into that. And so now, now like I licking go to- Licking power outlets? Well, licking power outlets has a certain charm to it, but you know. <laughs> so, so now I, I knit a lot and I actually okay. find it like it, it's, I don't know, it's like a very soothing thing for me. So I, 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 sometimes I bring knitting to meetings at work so that it helps me like concentrate on what the, the conversation is about and it also 
helps me not get too angry at what the conversation is about. And so it's sort of a win-win. Um, I live in Los Angeles, though, so there's like limited things that I can knit. It's not like it's like I'm making like a lot of cold weather. I have never, I have never knit a sweater. Should they have like beer koozies? Like it's uh, like a lot of shawls and like some right? hats. I'm, I, I, I made a hat. This is like so everything I do then becomes like filtered through this kind of nerd prism, right? Sure. So I knit hats that have rovers on them. So yeah. I, I, and again, this is the way my brain works, so I apologize ahead of time. Would, could you actually knit something like for the rover that would go with it? Like, no, like, I can't. Like, like a little tchotchke or something? So <laughs> if I knit something for the rover, it would have to be cleaned really, really clean before it went. And so that either means that somebody has to like take a whole bunch of swabs and chemical solution and like wipe it down, or they have to do what they call ashing, which basically means they burn it. <laughs> That's gonna be just, just a little Ziploc bag taped yeah, I know, to exactly. it. <laughs> Here you go, buddy. We'll miss you. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of ashing. That's, That's what they call it. Yeah. This, is what, this is what I hang out with scientists. I, uh, I learned a whole bunch of. Uh, chemistry and astrobiology from working on, on this rover, and I have learned about ashing. <laughs> as far as I can tell, it means heated up until anything organic burns off. Of course. That, that's, that is the, that is the, <laughs> it's a solution. <laughs> yes, it is a solution. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. Hey, right, Lexi, let me check the time real quick to make sure we're... Oh, we're like right at the halfway mark. Yeah. Wonderful. Excellent. <laughs> and and we're yeah. Yeah, I didn't know you're outpacing me. <laughs> so up, the John. thing is, is that geology, as a major, we are all known for drinking a lot. Yes. Like it's part of what you do as a geologist because part of what you do is you go out, you have these, you have, and there's there's geologists in the audience, and she is Woo! nodding a lot here. <laughs> You, you go, yes, mudslides, exactly. You go out in the field. Oh, do these I get field, it. You do field work, I right? Ju I just got the mudslide. <laughs> you go out in the field, and you, you know, you spend your whole day stomping around on rocks and measuring them and, like, making notes and trying to figure out how you're going to map this area and interpreting things. And then you spend your evening at the campfire, and what do you do when you're at a campfire? You drink. Yes, they were. And so, uh, in at least my college, the geology major was known as rocks and beer. And so, when I was a plant, I was a planetary major, so I called it space rocks and beer. Mm. Even though I don't drink beer, but you know, but drinking is just a fundamental. Like even at our professional conferences, there's always beer and wine at our poster sessions mm. because wow. alcohol is just a fundamental part of the geology experience. <laughs> That's, I like it. Dang it. <laughs> so yes, so so you should find a local geology like department right. or a mineralogy club or something Let's and you go. should really just start hanging out with them cuz you could go like go to some really pretty places and then drink a lot. Right. I mean I, I like to think that's that's kind of what we do. I mean, I like cons. <laughs> cons maybe aren't the prettiest places, but I enjoy them. <laughs> there's there's some impressive costumes. There so. are. There, you there go. really are. Um, that is so unusual. I had no. I just. 
Is wait are. So are there other groups of scientists known for abusing, uh, not abusing, but like <laughs> enjoying abusing. to a, to an obvious extent other things? Like maybe, I don't know. You know, I don't think it's... Pop I, rocks. I don't think it's like widely, it's not as like widely prevalent as the geologists. The, and they're the, the ones. Thing. They're okay. the really, they're the ones. But you, you start noticing patterns like the physicists are more into vodka and things like oh. that. You do, you do kind of notice that at conferences. Yeah. I think, hmm. That'd be a great study. It'd be a great study. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go to... I mean, like computer systems engineers and Mountain Dew. You know, like, right, exactly. Cheez-Its and Mountain Dew. It's yeah. sort of a thing. Yeah. Bartend. I yes. want to bartend science right. well, So Absolutely. I used to bartend next to a medical school. Oh, and that's... those kids yes. and teachers <laughs> can drink. Yep. Oh, my God. Yeah. For, yeah. Well, that's that makes them hungry, apparently. But then they're like, "Well, if I'm eating, I might as well drink." I'm like, "You got it, buddy." <laughs> actually, the, I think the, the, my favorite part of that, and I'm sure it's not actually uh, the best thing in the world. I worked at a coffee shop too, so I actually worked at a coffee shop in the morning and a bar at night. So I was just kind of like feeding the cycle. I just, <laughs> I just see him come in, like, "Dude, I need some coffee." Like, "I got you. You want some Red Bull too?" <laughs> see you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about me. Um, so when, actually, so when, kind of around when was your like first actual drink? So like we talked to a lot of people like, oh, I had sips as a kid. Like no, like when did you actually first have a proper drink that you're like, yeah, this is this is my style. I, okay, so I did have sips as a kid. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, I mean, my 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 parents were very much of the like. I remember, so my dad was a professor at Cornell and of, of human resource management and we were in the Soviet Union because it still existed at the time for he was like the token capitalist at some conference and I you know so he brought my mom and I along and and my parents were like you have to try this vodka and I think I was like I don't know seven or something nice. Uh, no, I was older than that. I was like 12. But um, they were they were like, okay, we are in Moscow, and you have to try this vodka. And I didn't like it at all. Um, but then uh, a couple, several years later, I think in the like the late 90s, my dad was a guest. Uh, he was a he was a guest lecturer in Slovenia, and we discovered that. One of his students, her father was my dad's like second cousin, something removed. Uh, and so we went and visited her family, and they pulled out the homemade Schliebewitz. And like a grappa or it's like, like yeah, it's like plum brand, it's like okay. plum schnapps. Okay. You know, it's homebrew plum schnapps. And that was like, it was one of those where it burned all the way down, but I was like, oh, this is cultural. These are like my ancestral something or other. <laughs> And, uh, and so by the time I went off to college, my parents were like, when they would come out and visit, they'd be like, do you need us to pick you up any wine? How are you doing? So, so uh, like, yes. it was very much, and I think it works because I never went through that stage. Like, there's that weekend where you realize, where, where a lot of kids realize that they are away from home yep. and they're away from parental oversight and they get totally smashed. Mm. And I never did that because my parents just didn't care. They were just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, we're having wine. Would you like some wine? And I'd be like, I'd like to try some. And they'd be like, here's some wine. And so it was never like a big deal at all. 
And so I, I never really went through that, like, yay, alcohol kind of yeah. section. So, um, yeah, I think um, I started out a lot with wine, and then, and then it's, like, cocktails kind of came after that. Sure. It's a, cl- it's a cleaner high. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it is. I get headaches from wine. I can't do it anymore. I live in California. I love wine tasting. That was very nice. And that wraps it up for the first part of our interview. Uh, please check our feed and our website and any site that you subscribe to blogs to check out the next part. Uh, it should be up very shortly. Uh, we're trying to push everything out really quickly this season, so you can listen to it. Uh, cheers. Always, as always, drink responsibly and get a safe ride home. Bye-bye.